0: we were actually honestly getting kind of like cyberbullied by another company what
1: hey hey i'm danielle ryan and this is adulting 101 being an adult is stressful and this podcast was specifically designed to help you navigate the crazy world of adulthood so buckle up and let's get into the episode I would like to begin today's episode by acknowledging the Indigenous peoples of the lands that this episode is being recorded on, in particular the Chippewas of Rama and Wata Mohawk First Nations. While we meet today virtually wherever you're listening in from in the world, I would like to take a moment to acknowledge the importance of the lands, which we call home and wish to honor Indigenous history and culture and commit to moving forward in the spirit of reconciliation and respect with all First Nation, Métis, and Inuit people. What's up, friends? Welcome back to the podcast. It's your girl, me. (laughs) If you're new here, hi. If you're not new, hi. Super excited to be back here with another podcast interview. Can you believe it's already the 17th of May? Again, where is my life going? I think I say this in every episode, but 2021 is just like this blur of flashing light that I just, I don't even know what I'm saying, but it's going by so quickly and it's unbelievable. Anyways, hi, hey, hello. Super excited to be here and to introduce you to this week's guest, Mallory Rowan. Believe it or not, she's actually from Ontario, which is pretty incredible. And at the age of 22, she co founded what quickly became a multi six figure, globally recognized powerlifting apparel brand. After she experienced major burnout from growing and running that company, she knew there had to be a better way to build a business. So she did what any millennial would do and she pivoted, dropped it all, and changed her life around. If you've been here a while, you know that I share a very similar story to this. However, by the age of 27, Mallory had built three multi six figure businesses. And today she helps entrepreneurs build the same without burnout. So I'm super excited for our conversation today. Mallory really gets into. What that experience was like building that business having to let it go pivoting entirely and just changing the course of her entrepreneurial life while also dealing with a few haters along the way so super great conversation and i am so excited to share with you so let's go ahead and get right into the episode all right i want to thank you so much for coming on here mallory would you mind introducing yourself to the audience
0: Yeah, so my name is Mallory Rowan. I'm from Ottawa, Canada, uh, born and raised. And currently, I work as a business coach and a marketing teacher. So I have courses, uh, programs, and do one-on-one coaching where I help entrepreneurs build their businesses without burning out. I find a lot of entrepreneurs are really good at what they do, but don't love tackling the business side. So that's the stuff that I love. I love the marketing stuff. So I get really into that. And especially doing it with that angle of making sure we're doing it in a way that's sustainable and actually aligns with what we want. So that's a little bit about me and where I'm at right now.
1: Awesome. And obviously you didn't just get birthed into the world as an entrepreneur. So I would love to know sort of the journey that led you to this sort of area. I feel like it's an area of expertise, definitely burnout specifically. So I'd love it if you could share a little bit about that story.
0: Yeah. So I always was super career focus. So even through university, I worked like an office job right from the start. So I really wanted to get a feel for where I wanted to land. And so I learned that I really loved marketing, but I really didn't love cubicle life and like working corporate and just the way that the corporate world really ran. So I recognized that pretty quickly and I made a shift to work more in the startup community. There's a lot of young startups in Ottawa, really great like tech startup scene. So I started working with some companies there and it was a lot more fun. And I definitely got to have a lot more ownership over what I was doing. But then it kind of got to this place where I had so much ownership of it. They didn't actually own it. Right. So you get to like with startups, you get to really dive into something and feel like you own it. But then at the end of the day, you're really just. You know, working your butt off for somebody else to eventually sell that company or cash out or whatever it might be. So, I was going to Carleton University and I was studying journalism and business. And in one of my business classes, they actually had us um, essentially build a business. um, And they really encouraged us to build something we actually wanted to pursue. So, to make it something that was bigger than a class project. And so me and my training partner at the time, we were both competing in powerlifting and we really wanted to do something to serve the powerlifting community. So that's kind of how my first business was born. And that was a powerlifting apparel company. So we took it really like one step at a time. Um, we started with hundred t-shirts. We invested in um, creating a strong brand from the start, which was super scary to like put money into and I think we put like $1,500 each to create a really strong brand with graphic designers that we loved um, because we knew we didn't want to rebrand. And being in the fitness space, so many companies have just like a barbell as their logo. So we knew that that's something we wanted to be special. So we kind of did that. And then we printed hundred shirts before we even made a website or anything. And we just tried to sell them locally to the power lifters that we already knew. And that was kind of my first taste of entrepreneurship. And that was something that we grew over the next four years. And for some of that, I was still working in corporate world. And then at some point I quit and we got to travel a lot and really put our time full-time into that business.
1: Wow, that's pretty incredible. So I kind of wanted to sort of dive a little bit more into this idea of so obviously, when you started that initial business, you were a student. And obviously, when we we're like 1820 years old, we we're not rolling in cash. So yes. to invest like $1,500 into a business is a quite significant amount of money. And I would love it if you could speak a little bit sort of about I'm sure the fear and the trust that's associated with making a decision like that of deciding, okay, I'm going to try this thing, see if it works. And there is a little bit of risk involved there because I might be out this $1,500 if nothing comes of it. What was that experience like? Yeah, it's funny. It's one of those things you look back on and you're like, I don't know, maybe I was just young and dumb. (laughs) I'm
0: like, yeah, that does seem like kind of a bad idea. (laughs) Very risky. Um Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I was really lucky. My parents taught me early on, like I've always been a good saver and I've always worked I paid for my own university besides like some scholarships. So like, I think that was honestly part of it was knowing that I had some savings and I was, even though I was a student, I was like fairly comfortable financially, which I do want to acknowledge because it, it wasn't my last 1500. Right. I think that's a very different decision to make, but it was still really scary. And my partner and I, so we were gym training partners, and then we like kind of did the like, are we more than friends? Weird little dance, and then we were like, no, we're just friends, but like let's biz- build this thing together, and then very quickly started dating, uh, and we're still together today. But that was like an added layer of like, what are we doing? We're putting this money- is confusing. Yeah. <laughs> we're putting money into something together. In like month one of a relationship, which I think speaks a lot to us, like on some level, knowing that was our person, because that's another thing where I'm like, that is really dumb and shouldn't have worked out to like start a business with your new boyfriend. But it did for us. But yeah, it was, it was this intimidating decision to make. And I think what really helped me early on was recognizing that even if you fall on your face and even if it flops, like you've, tried something and whatever you achieve to that point is still like some form of resume building, right? It's still some form of like getting to know where you want to land in a career. So I remember like, even when I thought about quitting the corporate job, like a few years after we started, um, one of my sisters was saying, you know, you can always get a job later and it's not like you have some weird gap year. It's going to be like, Hey, I actually built a really successful company, you know? And so, Putting that first money in was really scary, but we were like, hey, if we do this and we like come up with a really cool logo and print some shirts and it doesn't work out, like that's still a thing that we did and we made. And it was a really cool experience. But I think part of us just knew like it was something that our community really needed at that time. And it was a bit of the like all the stars are aligned. And we knew that that community needed something to connect them. And so there was just this pull to fill that hole. And I feel like it did kind of wind us a little bit with the money, you know, like we were definitely like, Oh, this is scary, but it just felt right.
1: Yeah. And honestly, I'm like, as I'm listening to your story, I'm making a lot of connections. I mean, when I started my business, I also very stupidly, like just decided to quit my nine to five job and start a business without really having a plan. Which (laughs) I don't recommend people do that, but I honestly from your story, my story and other people that I've talked to, a lot of the times it does really take those like seemingly quote unquote dumb decisions or like reckless mm-hmm. decisions in order for it to pay off. And so, for everyone that's going to look a little bit different, but I don't think that there's this need to like discredit the risky decisions that we've made to get us to where we are because like you said, You try something that is seemingly reckless, it doesn't work out. Well, at least you have lessons or experience that you can use to carry you to the next thing. So I don't really think that any necessary failure is failure on the surface. It's something that we can Mm -hmm. take to carry us to a new nine to five job or our next entrepreneurial venture, whatever that looks like. So I really appreciate you speaking to that and sort of this idea that there's always lessons to be learned, even in like the chaos and confusion that is entrepreneurship I'd be curious to know if you have any sort of specific experiences you can speak to where you were faced with a very challenging circumstance that sort of made you question whether or not you were making the right choices, whether that was in your original business or the business you have now. Have you ever been in those periods of time where you're kind of like, oh my God, what am I doing? Why did I decide to start a business? (laughs) Like, I don't know. I I feel like, especially with the pandemic for a lot of us, it's kind of been that experience. So I'd be curious if you could speak to that.
0: Yeah, I'm like, pick one mile. Yeah. <laughs> Do you have four hours? Yeah. I'm like, should I start with yesterday or the day before? Right. <laughs> um, yeah, I think it's like really important to acknowledge that there's always gonna be those moments. And sometimes it's like it can be a big thing that happens in our business that we're like, oh, what are we doing? And it can also be like the smallest moments of like, you know, maybe you have like a lull between Um, launches or like clients that you're taking on and you just get to sit with your thoughts a little bit too much. And then you're like, am I crazy? Like, what am I doing? You know? Um, I definitely think with my one example that comes to mind with my first business um, is like, we were actually honestly getting kind of like cyber bullied by another company. What? (laughs) Yeah. So powerlifting has really great people. It also has some really just like angry at the world people. And this was in
1: the era of like internet fitness, right? Like this was around like 2016, 2017, I'm going to guess.
0: Yes. Like Instagram was thriving. Yes. Okay. Yeah. (laughs) You, you know, the times. Exactly. (laughs) Um, so that was really tough because it was someone who, when we first got into things was super kind to us. I think we started to, you know, really grow. And I think that was uncomfortable for them. Um, and they just straight up <laughs> bullied us a lot. I think bullying is like such a funny word because we think of like, you know, a kid getting pushed on a schoolyard and we give me your sandwich. Like, yeah, yeah. And we feel like that shame around it. it's like we always see like the loser getting bullied, you know? Yeah. But it's not always like that. So we got, we got straight up bullied a lot by that person. And it took a lot to like keep going and almost check yourself and be like, I am doing the right thing here. Right. And it was like, knowing that you're bringing so much good to people, but in order to bring that much good, you're also taking a lot of heat from people. You represent a lot of things to people, right? The second you have a business, especially as a personal brand, which is like an aside, um, you become something to people, whether you're aware of it or not. Right. You might represent something. I think for us, we represented like, um, a certain type of power lifter he just didn't like. (laughs) And (laughs) so that's the thing, you can't really control that, but it definitely creates those moments of like, oh man, like, is this, is this worth
1: the like feelings that you're getting? A hundred percent. That's such a tricky space to navigate too, And I think, like you said, it sort of speaks to anything, regardless of whether you are like some super successful business or you're just, you know, Sally Smith down the street with a thousand followers on Instagram, once you start to speak to something or create sort of that personal brand for yourself, you're going to have people that don't agree with you. And it's funny. We're talking about this. Cause I was just going on my Instagram stories yesterday, talking essentially about this. Um, one of my friends had shared this meme that was something along the lines of like, even if you were the sun, someone would complain because they prefer <laughs> the rain. And it's like, no matter, so true. no matter what you decide to do, like there's always going to be someone that thinks it's a stupid idea. So, um, I know I often tell my clients like what's on your heart, regardless of what like your dad thinks is a bad idea or what your Mm. boyfriend might say. It's like, what speaks true to you? Because at the end of the day, like you have your dreams and it's up to you to decide whether the opinion of someone else or potential opinion of someone else
0: is Mm -hmm. bigger than
1: that dream that you want to create for yourself. Right. And it can be really hard when those bullies or that like loud opinion is right in your face in your Instagram comments or in your DMS or publicly like trying to shame you or tear you down. Um, Mm -hmm. but even just on a smaller scale, I think that ultimately it really comes back to you defining like, what is my mission here? What are we trying to accomplish? And is it more important than whatever these people have to say about it? Would you agree? Yeah. And like the way
0: I put it is if you took everyone on Instagram and you put them in a room (laughs) and then there was like the people that talk shit behind your back. And then there's the people who are like always cheering for you or like have really great values that you agree with and you align with, like you probably wanna go hang out with those people and you wouldn't actually spend that whole party or whatever it is trying to impress the people that you actually like don't agree with on like a fundamental level. But then for some reason on social media, we just feel this need to try to prove to those people like who we are or tell them they're wrong Whereas if it was a real in-person thing, like you would put your energy towards the people where you're like, wow, I love that. We care about the same things. We have the same set of values, right? We wouldn't give that much attention to those other people. You normally don't talk to those people. Cause you're like, I can already tell we're not going to get along. Right. We're not on the same page.
1: Exactly. And we talk about this also in the philosophy of yoga is just this idea of like, you, like, we all know you shouldn't put people or their opinions on pedestals as right or wrong, but you also shouldn't do the same with criticism. Like just because one person says something negative about you or whatever it is you're doing, that Mm -hmm. doesn't ultimately be it doesn't have to be something you carry with you. Just like if Mallory were to comment and say, oh my God, you're the best yoga teacher in the world. Like I'm not going to carry that around with me. Like I'm the best yoga teacher because Mallory (laughs) said so. But it's just like it it works both for the positive and the negative. But I think as humans we have this tendency to like we can get 10 compliments and it's like, okay, well, I still have imposter syndrome. So I'm probably not that great. But as soon as somebody mm. says one negative thing, it's like, I'm the worst in the yeah. world. It's like, it's so funny. I guess the psychology behind that of how we tend to really like latch on to that yes. negative feedback. And it can be, it can be really, really hard. What was your experience, I guess, sort of getting past that and deciding that like, you know what, this one person or this group of people are really trying to like tear us down. How, how did you overcome that?
0: I think just like you said, like there's, there's a saying I heard when I was really young that's always helped me just like realize how, like you said, we react to these negative comments. It's like, it takes a thousand compliments to replace like one insult, right? And just being almost aware of that, of recognizing like, okay, it's okay that it bothers me that somebody's being straight up mean, <laughs> but it also doesn't mean that like my world has to revolve around that and stepping back and seeing that big picture and looking at all the people that do love and agree with you. And I think the biggest thing is just understanding there's actually um, a Gary Vaynerchuk clip when he talks about this like people who kind of troll and hate online. Um, and just being like empathetically sad for them because there is something going on under the surface that is really making them choose to hate, right? Like something is going on inside that person that makes them wake up and say, I want to make fun of this person, or I want to go on this person's post and comment like, oh, you're the worst yoga teacher in the world. Like there's a lot of hate happening inside of you if that's how you're choosing to interact with the world, right? Yeah, so that's been the biggest thing for me is like I actually just really recognize that anyone that's like that has some work that needs to be done and maybe hasn't discovered that or been given the opportunity to and then that's not something I'm going to hold against them. It's just something that I really hope that they can work on.
1: It can be hard at times I think to remember that, but it's mm-hmm. it is really so so important. It's like the most cliché phrase in the world, but like hurt people hurt people is
0: yes, 100% yeah. like something <laughs> I'm
1: always like, you know what? What's going on in this person's life right now that is causing them to act this way? Um, And I mean, I I don't want people listening to this to think that like you and I are sitting here like, oh, we're so much better than people. We don't think negative thoughts about anyone all the time. (laughs) It's like, I actually use this exercise with myself, especially, you know, with social media, I'll be scrolling through and something will ping me of like, oh, well, why is this person doing this? Or I'm, or I Mm -hmm. find myself like feeling jealous about the success someone else is having. And then I ask myself like, okay, why is this activating to me? Mm
0: -hmm. What is it
1: within myself? And I sort of use that as a mirror to be like okay, obviously this is something in me that I need to work on. And so I try to maintain that perspective from like when I receive that negative feedback from other people of like, okay, well, what is this person going through right now? And try to, I guess, use that to validate whatever the experience is, but.
0: Yeah, totally. And you can need different things in those moments, right? Like I always tell people, if you have a really good friend, but it's activating something in you to see them like maybe, as simple as like, they are growing really fast on Instagram and you feel just really stuck with your brand. And like, you feel frustrated because you don't feel like you've been growing. And it just is activating something in you. Every time you see them pop up in your feed and you see that they're gaining followers, like it's okay to mute that account. And it doesn't mean it's a reflection of your relationship with that person, because it's just you recognizing while I figure out and deal with why that's bothering me so much, I need it to not be popping up in my life in a place where I'm trying to unwind or whatever it might be, right? So it's okay if you need to take a minute and like mute some of your friends even and then you never know when you work through those things, often you can go back to a place and say, I'm actually really proud of this person and it's no longer bothering me. And I'm able to separate those issues. And now I'm going to see them in my feet and I'm going to cheer them on and I'm going to be so happy for them. But recognizing that you're not always in a place to do that, I think is really important and not like holding shame or guilt around that. Just using it as an opportunity to be like, what's going on underneath for me that I'm feeling this way.
1: A hundred percent. It's so funny. I just talked about this in a couple episodes ago, and the best part is, is like those people don't know. There's no way to tell that you've yeah. muted them, so they're not gonna oh, like god. until Instagram you. like <laughs> tells you of <no> Like <laughs> Mallory just muted over. you.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh god! <laughs> I hope not.
1: <laughs> yeah, no, I I totally agree, and I think that especially because I think social media can just be such a toxic place if we don't have the foresight to sort of put a control over what is working well and not working for us. Mm. um, That's such a, such a helpful tip that people can take away. Mm -hmm. Um, I'd be curious to know now, if we go back to sort of your journey in business, in entrepreneurship, how that transition took place. So you were running this successful powerlifting company, or apparel company. And then you sort of transition now into a completely different business. So I, I would love to hear the story of that journey, because I feel like you're in almost like this entirely different space now than you were say four years ago.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Not a cute journey. (laughs) Basically I got super burnt out. (laughs) Um, but I'm like happy to talk about it. It's just, yeah, not cute. Like I got really, really burnt out. To the point where because I was competing in powerlifting right now for a lot of it I was still working a full-time job and then we were traveling a lot which tends to be tough on my body and um I ended up getting pneumonia um, among a lot of other things that were going wrong like my hair was really thinning and falling out um I was getting like unexplainable rashes so my body just started screaming and was like please stop ignoring us um we would like you to deal with this. So that, yeah, that was kind of what kicked it off. And so I really had to slow down my pace and take time to deal with my health and in doing so it really brought me back to a place of looking at things like values and our company was built on um, a socially conscious mission. So we were um, providing clean water to children in developing countries with every item sold. And then when we did collaborations with um, athletes those would raise funds for charities of their choice. So there was definitely those values in the business, but the base idea of t-shirts and like graphic t-shirts and printing and creating more clothing in the world started to kind of disconnect for us along the same time where I started to slow down. And it kind of gave us that opportunity to be like, hey, maybe this isn't the thing that we want to do forever. And like, it's also okay if it's the thing that we like loved so much for so long and now feel like maybe it's the next step. Right. And I think it's really important. We don't lose ourselves in our identity of like the founder of this company, right. Or the owner of this company or the person that does this thing, right. Like even yourself, like the yoga teacher, if you, you still want to know who you are, if you decide to not teach yoga anymore. Right. Um, so that was kind of what, Kicked off the transition, and then I, I I like to talk about the not sexy stuff because I find like when we recap our stories they get so glamorous accidentally, right? For um, sure. But in between, I honestly like I had two friends that were looking for help with their social media marketing, so we honestly just started doing a few social media contracts, and that really gave us permission to just take some time and like make sure our bills were paid but figure out what the next step was instead of rushing into something which I think is really important and knowing you can like do something for work without making it huge like we didn't go like promote it on Instagram right we didn't go like make a ridiculously beautiful website for it uh we just kind of did it because we were good at it and we enjoyed it we wanted to help those people out and it was a a win-win so that was kind of our transition period and um from the external side, we kind of took probably like almost a year to decide, like we had a few items released, but we kind of knew we were leaning towards not releasing more items and then finally made, um, an announcement. And that was like the little, like messy transition. And then the more I worked with those marketing clients, um, I started to take on, cause I've, I've done consulting for the more corporate side, but I started to take on a few entrepreneurs as clients. Um, and that was really where I started to transition. Cause I'm like, I think so many people are so good at what they do. They just can't get past that marketing or it's really intimidating to them. Or they just feel like there's too many unknowns. Um, so being able to open that door and like show people that they can build businesses in a way that's different than the people they see online or the people that maybe they know personally, um, and really helping them figure out, okay, how do I have to build this business to actually fit the lifestyle I want?
1: Yeah. I, I really love that story and sort of this idea of taking a break and sort of mm-hmm. gathering your thoughts and not really rushing into the next thing. Because I feel like, especially again, in this world where everything is so like, go, 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 go. You see all these people on the internet doing all of these things. There's so much pressure to always be like working on the next thing, the next thing, the next thing, and being like 10 steps ahead of yourself when sometimes we literally need the opposite of that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And I think it's, it's really
0: made me more conscious when I even have conversations with other people. Like, what's the first question we ask when we meet someone? We're like, Oh, what do you do? Right. Mm-hmm. As if it, it's, it's the one thing that defines them. Like, we're going to know who this person is by asking them that question. And it's just really interesting to like let myself live in that really uncomfortable place where like for a while people will be like, what do you do? I'm like, uh, <laughs> nothing I, like I, yeah, I'm kind of <laughs> like, um, <laughs> I don't really know. And like my partner had um, started getting his real estate license. So it was almost like as soon as he got his license, I was able to deflect a bit because I'd be like, well, Josh is a realtor now and uh, <laughs> please don't ask any questions or notice that I'm not answering. <laughs> yeah.
1: No, I can totally relate to that. Cause even now I think like people are probably like, Oh, what do you do? And you're like, I don't have 20 minutes to explain it to you. So you just come up with a yeah. like, short one that makes sense to people. But I definitely am always advocating this idea that like, we need to stop defining ourselves just by what it is we do, because when we fixate so much on who we are, or we identify ourselves so much by what it is we do, it makes it really hard to be able to change gears. And I'm always like advocating for people to normalize changing your mind. Okay. So I personally, I went to school for environmental studies. I wanted to, you know, work out in nature, collecting water samples, paddling in my canoe. Like that was my dream. And then I sort of was on track to end up in that type of career. And I was like, yo, this is not, not it. This isn't it. (laughs) And so making that transition of like, okay, I spent all this time, you know, the opportunity costs, I invested all this money in school, this time in building this career. And now I don't want to do it. Like, what are people going to think? Because now I'm Danielle, the yoga instructor, but like, Mm -hmm. people don't know that version of Danielle. Like, what is this? So when we can sort of create our identity of who we are in terms of what it is we value, what the life is that we're trying to create. I think that's so much more powerful. And it also sort of frees us up a little bit to be okay with like, okay, this is what I'm doing for now, but five years from now I might not be doing this. And that's okay too.
0: Yeah. Cause I think we're so quick to want to grasp to like what that thing is. Um and even just recognizing that's why I always say like, well, right now, <laughs> yeah. this is what I do. Because it's like acknowledging that like it, I'm not saying this is my life's purpose, right? I love helping people, but I know that I helped people with an apparel company in a different way and I'm helping people now. And that's the thing that will continue, but what that looks like, I just truly don't know.
1: And there's so much power in allowing yourself to sort of have that fluidity. I think of exactly. I can change my mind if I'm not feeling this anymore and that's okay. <laughs> mm-hmm. Like let's normalize changing our minds, people. I say it in every episode, but it's time that we start actually doing it.
0: It's so true. It's even like hobbies and stuff like, or things in their business. The number of times people are like, Oh, well I announced that I was going to launch like this thing three months from now. I always tease people. I'm like, and you think that everyone's sitting there and they have it circled on their calendar and yeah. they're like they're ready to go. Cause you mentioned it once, but we just tell ourselves in our head, like, well, I put out this commitment into the world. And I'm like, but isn't it so much more powerful for you to say, uh, that actually doesn't feel good anymore? Never mind. You know, like that's okay to say.
1: Exactly. Rather than try and like force yourself into this box. And I think that I don't know about your experience, but for me, when I was in my nine to five job, there was so much misalignment with the work that I was doing and the life mm. that I wanted that I eventually reached a point where I was just like, I can't keep faking this anymore. I don't care if people think that this is who I am. It's not it. So um, it's almost like you want to avoid that. I don't want anyone to ever feel the way I felt staring at the walls of my cubicle, wanting to like smash my head off the wall. Cause I was like, why am I here? But, and I think it really comes down to accepting the fact that like you are so much more than just what it is you do or how it is you make money. Mm-hmm. Um, and, I don't know. It's just like I don't even know where I'm going with this sentence. I'm like Michael Scott <laughs> on The Office. Of like, I'm talking and I don't know what I'm saying. But it's just this concept of like, humans are so complicated, but we try to make it so simple, and it just it doesn't make sense in the long term.
0: Yeah, and I I always have this like, uh, what always makes me feel better is realizing like we just really need concrete answers as humans and like that's okay and it it makes sense why other people can struggle with like when you're in a place where you're okay with not having answers right if someone says what do you do and I'm like "Mm, nothing really (laughs) um that's uncomfortable for them that's okay but it's also okay to be like you know you don't want to be like, oh, why does my brain like default to needing an answer or like knowing who I am or identifying as a group? Like we want to identify as a group. Cause I see it with athletes too, right? Like powerlifters, it's like so much of your identity. So for me with my burnout, it was really hard, like not being able to compete. And it really made me change how I think about those things. But if you think about it, it's still just our survival instincts. Like we feel safer when we're connected and we're in some sort of community we feel like we found our people. Right. So it really goes back down to like how humans are made and it's okay. Like we're not used to just being like, I'm just going to float and live on this earth with like, whatever comes my way. Sounds good. <laughs> I also have bills to pay. So there's that. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> right. The world we're built in is like not built for us to be super woo-woo and flowy. Like it's moving that way a little, but it just, it makes it really hard.
1: For sure. And I think, like, the process of figuring it out, if you're listening to this and you're like, I have no idea what I'm doing, neither do any of us. So, yeah,
0: <laughs> it's an illusion. Exactly.
1: The internet is a lie. That's the point of this episode. No, I'm just kidding. I'm
0: going to go all conspiracy theorists
1: now. <laughs> exactly. I would love to hear any specific advice you have, though, for anyone who is sort of in this place where maybe they feel that they feel that same way that I did or you did a number of years ago when they're like, how is this my life? How did I end up in this situation? And what can I do to pivot my way out of here? Because I'm so trapped in sort of this identity I've created for myself, but I know that it's not serving me anymore.
0: Mm. Yeah, I would say the biggest thing is like figure out what you actually want in general, right? Like people always say financial freedom, but I always say like, from one person to the next, what does that actually mean? Because for somebody sure. might feel, yeah, financially free with a forty k salary, but their bills are paid and they can like go for ice cream on the weekend. Someone else might feel like they need to be able to afford a yacht and like endless champagne for them buying them to feel mansion. Free. <laughs> yeah. Um, so really, actually digging in and like don't let yourself give the surface level answers. Like actually ask yourself what it is you want, and then with that what it is you want from your job or career however that thing exists to you because it's like for some people their career is what gives them fulfillment but for other people it's not and so it's really hard because a lot of the advice that's out there is from like a particular person's point of view so you might be getting advice from someone that's super career driven but you know, in your heart, like you really love your hobbies and just like spending time with family and your job is just the thing that pays the bills. and like, that's okay to you. Right. So really figuring out like, what do you actually want from a job or career and recognizing that it can change and just asking yourself in your gut, like what feels really good right now? Like, what's the thing I want to do? Not what's the thing I want to do forever. Not overanalyzing like every aspect of it. Just what feels really good right now.
1: Yeah. And I think the right now component is key because Mm -hmm. like we've said over and over again, what's working for us today, six months from now, six years from now might look totally different. Like when I look back on my life, six years ago, I was like, just out of university. You know, I had this expectation of how my life was going to pan out and it is nothing like that now it's, and I'm still like, I'm in a position where I feel really grateful and really happy with the life that I have it's just different than what I thought I wanted back then. And that's just, I think the process of growing up and life happens and your perspective changes and things change and the things you like and don't like change. And it's about honoring that along the way. So what feels good for me right now might not feel good for me six months from now and that's okay.
0: Yeah, and not realizing, like I'm very much like a (laughs) burn it all down person. Like I've always been someone that's very bored easily, whether it's hobbies or jobs, anything like that. And just feeling like you want to like run and move on so fast from that version of yourself for that person. But it's like, it's also okay to still have love for that person. I have a friend who he was like a really hardcore bodybuilder, got out of that, um, got a lot more like spiritual and into other things. And he's just now like at a point where he's like, oh, I, there's actually really good parts of that bodybuilder version of me. And like, in his head, he was being like, oh, you know, that person was trash. And like, we're on to the next one. But going back and recognizing like, oh, there's actually nice things about this version of me that I'd actually love to keep going forward.
1: For sure. And that's, again, just sort of the process of this beautiful unfolding of life that we don't know where we're going, but I'm here for the ride.
0: (laughs) Exactly.
1: Take what you need, leave what you don't, and it's all going to work out in the end. That's great absolutely yeah I love this so much thank you so much for taking the time to come on and chat with the audience I think that there's a lot of a lot of noise out there in the internet and it can be really hard to be able to take those chances on yourself and make those changes when you've been so like stuck on a certain path. So I really appreciate your honesty in sharing your experience. If you have any lasting advice, now's your chance to share it. Um I'd also love to know where people can find you on the internet.
0: Okay. I'll start with the easier question. Yeah. So, <laughs> pretty much everywhere on the internet I'm uh at Mallory Rowan. So my website MalloryRowan.com, Instagram, TikTok, sometimes Clubhouse. I also, if anyone does have a business or is looking to start one, um, I have a free content strategy I'm going to send to you guys. So if you go to myro.com/ slash free workshop, you can steal that little free training just between you and I. And uh, other than that, I would say the main takeaway is just remember like there are no rules. <laughs> and if anyone tells you otherwise, don't believe them. It's a lie. And you can do whatever you want, however you want to do it just trust that you will figure it out.
1: Yes. Okay. We're just going to continue on that note because I have something to say. (laughs) I think that this is an exercise that I did. And I'm sure you've done this a number of times as well is anytime I find myself sort of second guessing whether or not the decision is right for me, I think of times in the past where I've proven myself capable of overcoming that obstacle Mm. or a similar obstacle. Like I remember when I wanted to quit my nine to five job, it was like, well, how am I going to make money? And it's like, wait, let me think of all the times I had seven jobs and I paid my way through university. It's like, if you can figure it out, you can figure it out. So again, like sort of this idea of trusting that you can be resourceful enough and thinking back to those examples where you've proven it to yourself.
0: Yeah. I love that. That makes me just want to like, think about my life and be like, yes, girl to myself,
1: you know? Yeah, exactly. (laughs) You have to be your own hype woman because no one else is going to do it for you, especially not the bullies on the internet. So yeah. Except (laughs) us, we'll do it for you. Yeah. (laughs) Hop into my DMS and I'll give you a pep talk. All right. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Amazing. Thank you so much again for your time. Um, I so, so appreciate it and we will chat again. So, so soon. Thanks for having me. Well, my friends that pretty much sums up the episode thank you so much for tuning in again to this week's episode of adulting 101 if you want to connect with Mallory you can find the links to all of her social media in the description of this episode until next time take care comb your hair I'll be back again with a solo episode next week if you enjoyed this episode, please be sure to hit that subscribe button so that you get notified when new episodes go live. Make sure to rate and review this podcast and be sure to share it with your friends. I'll talk with you guys next week. Thank you so much for listening. Love you so much.